we have to be able to separate who we are from what we do. It is the key to being fulfilled and thriving in life. And I think we start to feel empty. We feel rejected when we start getting those things mixed up. Hey you, this is the Men of the Hour podcast, and I'm your host, Justin Crawford. I've had this podcast on the air for over two years now, and while we're ramping up with more episodes with some of today's most influential men in all industries, I hope you're able to take something special away from each conversation and come back for more as the weeks go on. Wherever you're listening, on whatever platform, just know that you're taking a great step in improving your life some way, somehow, through inspiring conversations like the one today. This is the Men of the Hour podcast, season seven. I'm so excited to be sitting alongside virtually with the 10-time Grammy nominee, right? An all-around extraordinary man himself, Torn Wells. Thank you for saying yes and for trusting me with this conversation that you probably like don't even know what you signed up for yet, but I know it'll be a good one uh, because it's you and it's your story, but Torin, thank you. Yeah. Great to be here with you, Justin. Thanks for having me on. We have a lot to talk about. You, you're continuing to release incredible music, both in the faith space with, with Christian music, but then also I was listening to a lot of your tracks over the years anyway, and you have a great sense of putting out feel good music as well. Um, and then on that same thread with faith and love, I'd love to talk about that with you. And then when you think about life and positivity, I mean, both of us alone, I think kind of breed positivity. And I can feel that through the interviews I was researching you with, um, you know, prior to uh, sitting down now, but I always want to start these conversations with the very important first one to kind of get uh, things off the ground. And that is about your family. I feel like what I've been seeing a lot of when I was researching you torn was that you you're, you're a fan of your family. You love your family. Your family's probably everything to you before music. And so with that said, uh, what have they recently said about you, your career success and where you're at today? Well, we're at a really fun time right now. It's also very crazy in my house because I have four little boys that are eight, um, five, four and one. So it's wild. My wife is the real MVP. She really holds it down. But we're in a really beautiful season of life, honestly. And we feel so blessed and so fortunate that we have these amazing kids that are healthy and um, that are so vibrant and full of life and reminding us what really matters and how quickly life really moves. So Family always brings great perspective, I feel like, to your life. If you're willing to slow down and watch and be a part and be present. And that's more difficult for me. I like to be moving. I like making things happen and seeing things happen. But we're in a really sweet season and I'm trying to soak it all up. And you said exactly what I thought you were going to say. Life happens really, really quickly. That's for whole humans, you and your beautiful wife together brought into this world. That's insane mm-hmm. to look back at it. You it's know? wild. And when you had started your career, even if you think about it now with us for a moment to go back, 
did you think you were going to have four kids? Did you think you'd be having to try to <laughs> try to slow yourself down? Now, no, you know? absolutely not. I, this was not in my plans. Obviously there were greater plans than mine um, at play here, but I am, I'm grateful for where we're at that we get to try to raise up some good young men in the world. I think like the, the male to female ratio is like kind of crazy right now how many females outnumber the dudes so um hopefully we're we're doing our part <laughs> to, to get that leveled out but i am grateful it's it's a beautiful gift to have these these boys and i'm learning a lot you learn a lot about yourself about your deficiencies your weaknesses the gaps that exist in your life uh, when you're trying to raise these kids up. And a lot of times I've realized what I'm probably, what I harp on the most in my sons is probably the things that I have dealt with the most in my life or have caused the most friction. Uh, so it's, they're just great reminders, man, of, of what's important. <laughs> Four great reminders, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too many reminders. Imagine setting four alarms every day. <laughs> At a certain point, it gets annoying. <laughs> Let's be honest, okay? <laughs> and the, what's the balancing? I, I want to go back to your family. You, you mentioned how grateful you are. I want to speak to gratitude probably here in just a little bit uh, when it makes more sense for the conversation after we get into more music with you. Uh, but but really quickly here, when you think of that balancing act, I mean, that's four kids. I, I look at it and I'm like, listen, I couldn't even think about having a dog right now. So for you with career to <laughs> career, right? Yeah. Career to family to music. What is all that right now for you? Well, it's interesting. I, you know, I think it's whether you have really, even if you have no kids, I think this conversation is important from zero to 10, you know, however many children you may have or pets or loved ones, you know, it's important to, I think, keep everything in its proper place of priority. And I think this gets a lot of uh, shame thrown on it, but I think you have to have yourself as a priority because you cannot give people something you don't have. And if your work-life balance is all out of whack, then you're not going to be bringing your spouse, uh, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your family, your kids, really your best self. So I've, you know, tried to, I mean, you could go crazy with this, but you have to figure out where you fit into your schedule and how you take care of your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health so that you can continue to have healthy relationships around you. Um, so that's a big part of it for me. And then, you know, I've kind of given up on the idea of balance. I feel like balance is a myth. It, it's something that you can't ever really grasp or get a hold of. And I, a friend of mine actually said this um, on her podcast, shout out Bird Means Business. But she said, imagine a person like, cause you think of balance as like spinning plates or being on a, a tight wire. And she's like, 
how much pressure, how uncomfortable, how frantic are you in those moments when you're trying to keep all of the plates spinning or you're walking across this tightrope and if you fall, like it's going to be devastating to your life. Balance is a very tricky thing. I've tried to lean more into rhythms. So every, every part of our life is a season. When you're a child, that's a season. When you're a college student, it's a season. When you're single, perhaps after college, it's a season. When you're engaged in a newlywed, it's a season. With little kids, it's a season. They get older, it's a different season. And, you know, I see everything through the lens of my faith. So the scripture says to everything, there is a season, a time and purpose under heaven. There's a time to plant and a time to reap a time to weep and a time to celebrate. Um, so it just gives this picture that seasons start and seasons end. And in every season, there is a specific rhythm. So what I have tried to do is I don't try to march or move to the rhythm of a previous season. Because I'll be out of sync. I'll be out of sync with my career goals, my life, my wife, my kids. I have to embrace the season of life that I'm in, set expectations or the tempo for that season, and then move at that pace. And that really helps. It helps me a lot. Aren't y'all glad I asked that? If you're listening right now, you just got <laughs> so much. Does that make Torrent. sense though? Yes, it makes sense. Like, so much. If you're, if you're, you know, let's say you're single, you go from single to married and you have all these career aspirations and you're hustling, grinding. Time doesn't matter, okay? So when I was single, I was writing songs all night I would, you know, get up early in the morning or I would sleep in late. Like it really didn't matter, but I had this time to create and be creative and all that. When I got married and I tried to move at that same rhythm for the single season, my wife would come in the room and say, hey, so how much longer are we working today? And then I would say, oh, just give me 30 more minutes. This hook is fire. It's and it could be putting together the spreadsheets, making the phone calls, going to the whatever your career looks like. But then she would come in again. So it's been three hours. You said 30 minutes. So I had to adjust and say, I have another person to consider now. What is the rhythm of this season? So and that is ongoing and evolving. But I hope that kind of shed some light into my process, at least. Yeah, you just gave people a run for their money for clicking play, and you just pretty much titled this entire episode. As he was talking, folks, I literally typed season of life, family, and faith. I may change the three categories. Ooh, I like that. Seasons of something, right? Rhythm, right? Yeah. Rhythms and seasons. You brought now brand Woo! new. Rhythms and seasons. Is that was you. I'm taking fire. your words. I'm taking your yeah, words. That was you, Jay. I'm quoting you, T. Listen to this. So speaking of quotes. <laughs> We shall navigate into music with you now. And I want to start with a quote, right? Seasons and rhythms, I have to quote you on that. That's yours, right? And if we make any royalties from it, it's all yours. 
this quote particularly stood out to me as I got Jen's note from, you know, from your biography and learning about you. And I noticed that you had also said it in a couple of other interviews and I'm, I'm everything but to try to bring you back into an interview you've already had. But this quote is so powerful that I think people who are listening that are either in this business of music and entertainment or not can learn from. And you've said, quote, I've come to view my music as an entrance, not as an escape, unquote. Mm. So I have to ask you what you meant by this. And then I have a bunch of other questions. I said that. That's pretty good. Uh, I think <laughs> I think that a lot, I've heard this a lot at, at shows and concerts and award speeches and stuff. Just in the entertainment industry, whether it's theater, Broadway, uh, Oscars, Emmys, Grammys, you know, I'll hear people say, what we try to do is create two hours of escape from reality, you know, or, or whatever that is. I read, you know, authors writing books, if they can give people a break from their real life. And I understand that. And I, I, that resonates with me. I understand what they're saying, but I don't want people necessarily to be listening to my music, coming to my shows and thinking, this is how I get out of my life. Like when you really think about that, it's kind of depressing because we're talking about some level of unhappiness or unrest, some level of dissatisfaction and unfulfillment that we want to pay money to escape from. And I think it's cool to have places you can go in your mind and experiences and all that. I'm for that. But what if we as creators and entertainers and podcasters and authors and artists gave people an entrance point into considering their lives so that they could create a life they don't want to escape from? We have the power to do it. If we have the power to let people know this is two hours without you dealing with the dysfunction of your family. This is two hours without you dealing with the wounds of your past. Well, music is so powerful in particular. What if we gave people a song that they could sit in their room, in their life and think, you know what? I, I never forgave my dad. I never got over the loss of that person that I love. I never really dealt with the person that betrayed me. What if I took the steps to really deal with these wounds that I've just been living and existing with? That's kind of my hope for the music, for the shows, for the things that I do, that we get to step back into our lives, view them as they are, and then realize we have the power to make them more beautiful if we will deal with what's beneath the surface. I think that's a, it's such a beautiful point you bring up where it's almost like you, we've heard it many times that you have to deal with things and that, it, you know, everything that you go through tragedy or a great thing takes time, right? Time heals, for instance. And, and it's almost like you do have to face everything at, at its value point and understand how to deal with it, how to navigate with it. But I've never heard it from a, a musician's mouth that music could potentially be that way. So then for, for you now, 
Torrent, when you think of like your music particularly and how you how you're writing and producing and mixing and you know coming up with all the like leaps and jumps of of the audio what is it there for you that you feel like can be that you know not just an entry point for people but almost a space for them to feel feel the music and like you had said face what they're going through and come out of it better what you said was so good bro like creating space for people that's fire justin um i that's the hope right is is to create that space it's the space i needed so that's that's where i'm creating from at the very beginning of this album making process i got to write with one of my heroes um his name is stephen furtick he pastors a church in charlotte north carolina called elevation church um he is a phenomenal communicator preacher but he is an incredible songwriter. He actually just won a Grammy uh, for, he actually beat me. <laughs> so that was a little weird. Um, <laughs> Better him no, than anyone was, else, right? No. Yeah, I, exactly. I was <laughs> thrilled for him. But I wrote with him the title track of this song, uh, of this album, Join the Morning. And the song's obviously called Join the Morning. And when we, we got to spend the day together writing um, him and Chris Brown, who is one of my homies and an incredible songwriter as well. And we were just talking kind of about how we have all felt personally limited. Like if you're a pastor, you shouldn't get to be a, a songwriter. Um, if you're a worship leader, you shouldn't get to make a pop song with a dance video with 30 dancers you know like there's all these categories that people kind of shove us into and then you have to be that for people and I was just saying sometimes it's hard to know what to do because I love to speak I love to sing I love to dance there are so many things that I love and he encouraged me and it really unlocked the whole process for me because he said you have permission to bring your whole self into this album. Bring your whole self into it. He said, whatever it was in you that you were 10 years old and you were watching Michael Jackson and it made you wanna dance, go there, like be yourself. And so that's what I attempted to do. And that's what I'm hoping this allows other people to do is to see themselves. One of my favorite songs on the album is a song called Afraid With You. Well, it sounds like a noble thing to say, um, I can't be your peace, but I'll stay beside you in the storm. Um, I, I can't stop your tears, but I'll lay beside you and let my tears flow into yours. Like that sounds like, wow, what a romantic, what a beautiful picture, you know? But really, that song came from my wife constantly telling me, I don't need you to fix anything. I don't need your solutions. I just need you to be with me, to feel it with me. And so this album is really showing what I've been feeling and what I've been learning and where I've been growing. not to belabor the point, but this song that I have on the album called Empty, it talks about how you could have it all. You could be living everyone else's dream, 
and still feel empty. And that came from a day where I had my family coming over to the house. There was an award show on television. I was up for a couple of awards. I'm in my studio before everybody gets there. I'm surrounded by plaques on the wall of songs that God has used and have become like um, people have become more aware of. And I'm at the piano. I'm still like, you could have it all and still feel empty. And I think so many of us, I'm thinking, here's my beautiful wife, my four boys, this amazing life. God's been so good. And still there's this restlessness inside of me and a moment where I'm like, man, it still feels empty. And especially for someone like a faith where you're supposed to have all the answers and you know, you've got them on the coffee mug and there's verses that are supposed to put a bow around all of our quote unquote negative feelings. I hope that people have permission to feel what I felt and it's okay to feel lonely. It's okay to feel anxious. It's okay to feel fearful and to acknowledge that you're feeling that way. And then that allows you to ask some better questions about your life and, and get to a place where you're healthy and fulfilled and, and vibrant. My brain is all over the place. First of all, thank you for opening up about all of that because now I, I have even more questions for you. Uh, relative to music for a second there, and you mentioned you know, continuing to labor the, the question, but you did so in such a beautiful way that now, I mean, if you're listening, you, you got all that, but you'll, you'll get more. We'll pre-link everything down uh, in the descriptor for all the music that's going to be on his album, including Empty. So now Empty, though, if you think about the feeling, something that you didn't, talk about, which is why I have to ask this question is as you were feeling those emotions and, you know, looking at plaques on your wall and noticing that your family was ready to watch you receive awards. And there's, there's all these great highlights to that. What do you think that came from? What was the root of you feeling empty, not to just then write the song so all of us can relate to it and do something about it. What was the root cause? Well, I think it's a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> right. Open-ended, open, yeah, right, right. open-ended, <laughs> loaded question for you. No, I think, I mean, the point is not necessarily to know. It's to be okay with the questions. And I think people need permission to feel and be okay with the questions. And I'm still digging deeper and trying to figure out, you know, why at times I don't feel fulfilled, you know, to a certain extent, um, how I could be so blessed and still be like, man, you know, I think a lot of it comes from comparison and there's so many things that can make you feel like you're failing when you're actually winning. But the point is it's okay to ask the questions and the fact that you're feeling it allows you to know there is more. So if, and it's not a tangible thing, if I already have the promotion, if I already have the spouse, if I already have the house, if I am basically living what I envisioned for my life and I'm still not full, 
then that leads me to the question of what am I lacking? It can't just be more stuff. It can't necessarily just be more people. It can't be more relationships. There's something missing at a soul level. And I think everyone has to figure out what that answer is for themselves. Mm. I agree. I agree. This is where conversations like this, 30 minutes into our podcast episode, not only are you going to get an advertisement, no, I'm just kidding. By the time Torrin has showed up on the show, we've actually released advertisements, something I've not talked about openly. Come on. We were not doing ads anymore. I don't want to make any more money on this show. It doesn't make sense. And uh, so that people can stay on the show, listen to the whole episode, no ads. That's my goal with your That's episode fine. now. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it was cool, but I was like, whatever. So, but the reason I say that is because as we're hitting the middle mark of our conversation now, I mean, you hit on it. It's like, sometimes you're not going to have the answers, but then the, that uncertainty builds so much anxiety for most people who don't yet have a good grasp on whatever that is. And I want to get into faith with you for a moment. And as I like my, my family's Japanese and, and white ones from Tennessee, Japan, da, da, da. and so I've always practiced Buddhism and Christianity. So I have my own thoughts, but mm-hmm. this is your episode. So I wanted to ask you in, in light of uncertainty, I know that this, what you're about to say, I know is going to help people, whether or not they're faith, faith-based, but with relation to your faith and the uncertainty, where did those two find each other so that you don't lose your mind? You know what I mean? Yeah. As, as, as things are still question marks only and zero answers. Yeah, great question. The, the doubts and the faith grow together. So I have just learned to be comfortable with the tension of both. The, the proof of great faith is really the presence of doubt. Now, a lot of Christians will come at me for that. What do you mean? You can't doubt God's great. He's never failed and all that. And I agree with all of that. It's absolutely true. But there is, a, there is an event that happened where this man, Jesus, was crucified. This is historically accurate regardless of where you're at in your faith. This man died and he was resurrected and showed up to the people who were following him. They called them the disciples. And I'm not like saying it like this to uh, demean anyone. I'm just anticipating that there are people who may not have this context. So forgive me. So the disciples are sitting at the house. Jesus has been crucified. They don't know that he's alive. And he shows up at the house and walks through the wall into the room, sits down with Thomas, Peter, the other disciples, and eats with them. So he's God enough to walk through a wall but he's man enough to have a meal with them. And Thomas says, I don't believe it's you. Now, Thomas, people in church have given him a bad rap. They call him doubting Thomas. I like to call him analytical Thomas because he's a thinker. He's thinking about the events that took place and how his life fits into 
the fact that this man that he was following is gone. What does that mean for him? And so he's sitting there and Jesus walks through the wall and he still says, dude, I just, I don't know. I don't know. And Jesus doesn't do what a lot of religious people do. Why don't you know? Don't, you should have the answers. Jesus doesn't like open up the windows of heaven and pull back the curtain for some giant LED wall to replay the parting of the Red Sea, Daniel in the lion's den, him resurrecting a dead girl, healing blind eyes, calling a dead dude out of his grave. He doesn't do any of that. You know what Jesus does? He says, Thomas, look at my hands. I want you to touch the wounds. Look at my side, because they drove nails through his hands. They stuck them in the side with the spear. I want you to feel my side here. Put your hand in this wound. And I think what so many believers have done for so long is we try to give people answers instead of just showing them our wounds and saying, Thomas, I've been hurt too. But the proof that healing exists is you acknowledging these scars and these wounds. And so he allowed Thomas, oh, low power mode. Hold on. All right. So he allowed Thomas to see and feel and touch his wounds. He didn't discredit his faith or his doubt. He met him where he was. And I think that's where we have to get to as well. My friend Andrew Rip said something so good. He said, if you envision faith as a beautiful flower that's growing, there are going to be weeds of doubt that can grow up around it. If you let the doubts continue to grow without dealing with them one at a time, eventually the weeds will grow so tall and so thick that you can't see the faith. You can't see the flower anymore. So we have to make sure that when doubts creep into our minds about our ability, our worth, our future, our purpose, we have to pick out those doubts one at a time so that we can continue to see the beautiful thing of our belief and our faith. And that's not necessarily just faith in Jesus. That may be true for believers like me, but also just belief in yourself, belief that there's a future for you. If you're dealing with depression and anxiety, there's a good chance that the weeds have grown up around the flower. So you've got to pick those out. The weed that says the world would be better without me, we have to remove that. The weed that says, oh, you know, I can't really contribute any value because of the ways that I'm wounded. No, you can actually help people more with your wounds than you can with your strengths. So I think we just have to tend to the garden of our hearts and allow what is beautiful and true, um, like grow and make sure that all of the negative stuff gets plucked out. 
the solution is in the wounds as we heard it first here and here only. You know what? I love doing this podcast because of people like you and something here. I mean, you, you said all of it, so I can't even try to reiterate or recap or cliff note, whatever you just said. So we'll move right along here because I now have to ask you when you think about the moment in time in your life before the kids, maybe even before wifey, like what was the moment for you where you told yourself like, I'm going to start working on me, no matter how hard it is to look at the wounds, right. For, to take mm-hmm. your word there and, and really start just living, right. Cause it's until you realize that you, you are supposed to go through these tribulations and trials mm-hmm. and everything. Like that's part of the experience, the journey. It's part of this podcast, yeah. right? Like you telling us that now has, has like, beautifully woven a good episode of conversation because as people are tuning in, I'm sure they're cycling questions in their mind now of wait, but Torin, like, what about you? Like, how did you get to this place? What about yeah. it? What about in your experience was the moment you said, you know what? I'm good with the wounds and we're going to work on them. But as I work on this, we're going to have a positive outlook on how I'm working on this. What was that? Yeah. Well, I, I wish I could say it was before I was married and before I had kids because I try to encourage a lot of guys that are, you know, a little bit younger than me who are single to do the work to bring a whole person into their relationships, you know? And I think I just didn't have someone in my life telling me that at 20, 21, 22, you know, obviously I knew, you know, coming from a church background, you got to love Jesus, you know, you serve, you worship, you pray, all of that. But there wasn't this big understanding that I needed to, like, do heart work, uh, you know, on myself. So thank God for Lorna, my wife, who met me in this place in my life. Uh, because I was really at, when I turned 31, I was really struggling. I mean, just a lifetime of bad habits, you know, that had just been adding up and adding up throughout the course of my life. And uh, like using things as a response to pain that I hadn't dealt with, uh, that I wouldn't, that I wasn't willing to just stare in the face. Um, it was just kind of, even though on the surface, everything was good beneath the surface, there was this like undertow. And I just am so grateful for the grace of my wife and the grace of God uh, to help me through my own personal struggles. But it was at 31, you know, where I started dealing with myself and that required outside help, you know? So I went to a counselor, my wife and I, and we just started talking through a lot of the things, you know, that had been in my heart and the difficulties that I had encountered and feelings of rejection and all of that, where there were people who rejected me, but I had built it up to become something so much bigger than it was in reality. And it was affecting me so deeply. And I just had to have my counselor ask me the question, Torin, if 
there was no Lorna, if there was no music, if people didn't know your name, um, if you weren't a singer and all of that had musical ability, who would you be? And it's really like, that is a difficult <laughs> thing Question. to deal with. Yeah, it's like, well, my identity is wrapped up in what I do. And do you think I never cut yeah, someone off? I know you have a thought, so keep the thought. No, go. Like, I have to cut you and ask you, like, do you think that's a good or bad thing that your identity is has been or still is maybe even now today still wrapped uh, it's up? It's terrible. In, yeah. We have to be able to separate who we are from what we do. It is the key to being fulfilled and thriving in life. And I think we start to feel empty. We feel rejected when we start getting those things mixed up because, you know, coming through the Grammys, didn't win a Grammy. Well, the old Torin would have said, oh, it doesn't matter. The Grammys are political. And I would have been apathetic to deal with something that actually mattered to me. And then I would take it as rejection. And then that would probably have some type of negative behavior associated with it. Now I can say I am not an award, you know, and it's the same thing with, it doesn't have to be music. You are not your promotion. You are not the sum of people who know your name. You are not a rating on a top 10 list. You are not whatever a person in your life has belittled you into thinking that you are less than or you're not worthy to be loved or that you have no intrinsic value. All of that, if you, you know, I think about this with athletes all the time. You're not, or are, you're not as good as your last hit song. You're not as good as your last uh, title. You know, we just have to think of ourselves on a deeper level. And for me, I'm informed by my faith and that's what gives me the most value. I am a child of God, like the God who created the galaxies, the world, um, the most beautiful things about life calls me his. And he loved me before I ever won an award, before anyone ever knew my name, before there was any type of energy around me, I was loved. And that is the most peaceful place that you can exist in. I'm going to ask you a loaded question now, because let's go back to empty for a moment. So if you're listening, follow, uh, if you skipped and click that little 15 second button when he was talking about empty before go back to it as I'm saying this, cause it's gonna make a lot of sense. Uh, when you were talking about empty and how you felt when you went down to your studio and saw the awards on the, on the side of this, uh, on the wall and your family was like, Oh my God, like get anything more right. Like all those things. And when you were writing empty, okay, let's go into the mindset of having written empty and, you then just now, a couple minutes ago, mentioned how you, when, when you're fulfilled, a lot of times you, you care less and less about the accolades and the Grammy awards mm -hmm. and all those things. Can mm -hmm. we just think for a second that correlation between the two? 
because that's what I think is so special about what you just told us in the last 50 minutes or so is that you could have everything and you said this, but now I just want to bring it together. You had everything and it was great. The accolades. And and the second I asked you then, right. Fast forward to now, the second I asked you about what you felt like, uh, what, what, you know, away from the career, whether or not it was a good thing to have your, your career and all those things be who you are. You said, no, screw that. Mm -hmm. You have to separate the two. Should you not have separated the two? I'm not sure you would be as fulfilling grounded as your career is now taking off. Can you just Mm -hmm. talk to us about that correlation really quickly about where you now see, I mean, you're only getting bigger and better. Okay. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you that, like, we all know that. (laughs) Well, you don't have to do that. You're just talented and your talent is by bypassing everything. And so as you're watching the career growth and all the Grammy nominations and all the collabs of Chris Brown and your mentor in the church and everybody you've worked with, right? Even like, I didn't even drop Lionel Richie and all them yet, right? Like we can put all that stuff in post because there's so much there that you've, you've now built in this career, but also so much that you've built with your family and so much that you're building with your four beautiful boys. Like Talk to us about that correlation. Yeah. Well, it's the constant, it's a constant cycle that has a magnetic pull always toward the negative. Like everything is always pulling toward the negative. And so it has to be a conscious decision. And I think in the moment that I was writing Empty, it was because I was in the tension of living it. You know, of course, I I know I'm a child of God. I know that my worth is not in my last radio single. But there's also the pressure of like, well, if you don't have that, what are you? And I'm like a performance driven, achievement driven person. So some people out there may not, excuse me, necessarily relate (laughs) this as much but if there are any enneagram threes or enneagram ones uh out there that really put a lot of their identity naturally into their ability to perform for people then you understand what i'm talking about and so i have to constantly remind myself jesus did not die for my image jesus did not die for a Grammy nominee. Jesus did not die for a father and husband of four. Like anything that you can associate with image or status, Jesus did not die for that person. Jesus died for who I really am. The broken, insecure um, human being that is in desperate need of rescue and restoration. That's who Jesus died for. The beautiful thing about it is I don't have to perform to be willing to die for. Like a lot of people will love you and they'll adapt you up and you're the man and all that when you're hot. People are gonna love you, yeah, cause it's popping. But Jesus didn't show up for me when my name showed up on some television program. (laughs) Jesus showed up for me 
when I was just a little nine-year-old kid in a broken home with broken parents who are trying to figure out their own lives and not a single soul thought that what's happened with my life was even possible. That's who Jesus said has value and worth. That's crazy to me. And even if you're not a believer, I would just say, consider that for a second. People love you when you're hot. Jesus loved you when you were not. And even if you aren't sure about that or perhaps reject the reality of God, just consider the idea that it is possible that there is someone out there in the universe who could never love you any more or any less than he does right now. I know I couldn't have said that better myself. You know what? Thank you for all of that. Thank you for this conversation. And as we are coming to a nice little graceful close, right? As the conversation's gonna, you know, and, and the thing is too, like if you're following along and listening, you know, I hope this was helpful for you. Uh, I have to thank you for clicking play. And between all the categories and all the topics that Torn and I just talked about, uh, really Torn, not myself, but you know, there's some things there. There's a lot of questions to be possibly answered, right? A lot of question marks that may stay there for a very long time. And to what he was saying, it's very okay, right? But you have to make it okay. So I can't thank you enough for this conversation. Uh, as we're wrapping though, the final piece of uh, question mark I have for you now is what are you excited about? We have a whole year. Oh my God, this year is going to be in, uh, like amazing. You've probably already seen the first four months of it. Like, oh my God, this is great. I can't wait to keep doing it. What are you excited mm -hmm. about besides the album? Although the album again, linked in the description below. I mean, there's music is one thing, but what are you really gearing up for, for the rest of 2022? Well, there's a lot in the works that I'm I'm excited about. I can't really talk about it all yet, but uh, there are some really amazing things happening. I'm just trying to tell more of my story, share it with as many people as possible. Then ultimately, I'm just excited about people realizing that they have greatness within them. And that's really why I do this, why I make music. Um, it's not just like, you know, I heard John Batiste say recently uh, when he won album of the year, I think he said uh, music for him is a spiritual practice. And I think that that is beautiful. And to a certain extent, it's a spiritual practice for me. But the spiritual part of it for me is where the music leads me. Like the people I get to talk to, the relationships that I get to have. Like it's bigger than just the album. It's the people I get to engage with because of the album. So I'm excited for more of that, more connection with people, more speaking life over people, encouraging people and letting them know that if this is possible in my life, then there is so much potential and possibility in their life. I'm from Battle Creek, Michigan. The, a city that is known as a factory town and making fruity pebbles and honey bunches of oats and frosted flakes. If I can find purpose and not just um, love what I do, but do what I love for a living, you can do it too. And uh, I hope people catch that.
they're going to catch it now. They're going to catch it later. Cause the cool thing is that I can go back and edit this when those announcements are live. Right. Wow. Fruity pebbles. Well, listen, thank you, uh, Torin. <laughs> this has been an incredible conversation. And if you clicked play, I hope you learned a lot and are really excited about the new music that's coming out with you. Uh, I know I sure am. And to go back to what that first quote was, I remember asking, you know, my, my first question for you is around family, just because I had a feeling that would really open up conversation for us. But when, we, when you had said, you know, you, you've come to view your music as an entry point, what I consider a safe space uh, for everyone, not as an escape. Uh, that's totally been the learning lesson here with you today, my friend. So thank you again for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for having me, bro. You are brilliant in how you navigate these conversations. And I can't wait to listen back to this one. It was pretty good. Let's go. <laughs> Hey, it's Justin again. And before you exit this very episode, wherever you're listening, I want to say thank you for being here. I hope you learned something new and are leaving more inspired by the conversation you just heard. Men of the Hour is also on Instagram and YouTube at Men of the Hour Podcast, where you can find all of our video sneak peek exclusives and full episodes. Be sure to follow and subscribe and do all those great things so that we can stay connected. And right before you jump, I would love to hear from you if you would put a rating and review right here where you're listening. Until next Monday, continue taking care of yourself and building the best possible life.